This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. So welcome to the program. Uh, Elliot Friedman standing by from Hockey Night in Canada and 32 Thoughts. Uh, coming up at the bottom of the hour, more on this Vancouver situation with Ian McIntyre, uh, who covers the Vancouver Canucks, as we all know, from Sportsnet. Mike McKenna from Daily Faceoff will be aboard. And Ken Daniels, play-by-play voice of the Detroit Red Wings, uh, will talk to us about the surprising, should we say surprising, after Iserman's off-season moves, surprising Detroit Red Wings. Uh, in the meantime, joined by Frege now. Hello, Elliot. How are you? Hello? Are you there, Frege? I'm hey, here. There we, go. we got you. We did a lot of talking on the uh, on the podcast about the Vancouver situation. I'm going to spend more time with it and uh, with Ian McIntyre at the bottom of the hour. But just in, in wide brush, you know, painting with a roller here, um, thoughts. Where is Elliot Friedman at with the Vancouver Canucks today? Oof, that's uh, I can take the next 23 minutes and then you can go right to Ian. Uh, where where am I today? Look, the odds are really against them now. You're, they're going to have to go at a 110-point pace to make the playoffs, basically. So now you're finding out who's like like I heard I heard Rutherford spoke to the team yesterday, and I, I think that when whenever and Stan Smeal did that last year, I think that whenever that kind of happens the message is we're about to find out who's with who's on the boat and who's who's running for the rafts right um you know who are, who are the rats leaving the sinking ship and i think if you're vancouver and okay you're going to try to take a run to get back in because that's what you just do that's what you're wired to do try to take a run to stay back in it but i think if i was in charge i'd be looking at this and saying, okay, let's, let's see who's real. Let's see who isn't. And if we have to have a high pick this year, we're not trading anything this year to, for a short-term fix. We're not trading our top picks. We're not trading our best young players unless the deal is so unbelievable that we can't say no to it. And then we're hoping we can add – a good young player to our mix and see how we feel about can we restart this next year. And there happens to be a really good young player who likes the Canucks. Now, I don't think you can <laughs> bank on that, Jeff. The, the yeah. lottery is a fickle mistress. If the lottery was uh, a, another human being, I would not want to be married to it. It is a fickle mistress. As many people as the lottery awards, it also hurts. And there's plenty of teams out there that their fan base can say, ooh, the lottery killed us. So I don't know how much you can count on it, but what I think you can do is you know if you're the Canucks, there's a chance you could add another really good player to your organizational stable and then see where you are next year. But the number one thing I'm finding out right now is who is rowing the boat and who is jumping out of the boat. The player, by the way, if uh, for those of you playing along at home, the, uh, the player that Elliot's referring to is Connor Bedard, uh, who plies his trade with the Regina Pats and will be the first overall draft pick uh, in, next, uh, in next year, well, in 2023, in next year's draft. Um, a thought on Bruce Boudreaux through all of this. Like Boudreaux has been through a lot of 
challenging situations in his career. You know, I know that he never sort of sells it big time publicly, but he's got to be feeling the pinch here. Like if, of if course. you try to read in between the lines of what Rutherford was saying on the weekend, I think we all are. You know, you wonder how much of that was, you know, Carney for I'm looking at the coach here. Well, I, look, like you, you have to be. Everybody here is on notice. Like you, you'd have to be obtuse to the nth degree not to see that. Um, the, the toughest thing is, Jeff, when you're the person that everybody's talking about and you're in the middle of all that. And a lot of us in the media, we really love dealing with Boudreaux, so we're, we're big fans of his, and so we want to see him do well. But that doesn't mean you can shirk away from the reality of the situation. Look, the, the thing that really stunned me on Saturday night, and as I said on the podcast, I, I think Scott Oak deserves a ton of credit uh, for the job he did on Saturday night on After Hours yeah. with Jim. And there were a few things that Rutherford said that I know that really shocked people. But the one that I know that really reverberated through the sport was the one about the bad camp. Because teams don't like to admit that. You're not supposed to have a bad camp. You're just not supposed to. That's not the way it works. Camp, it's like that saying, I think we have a really good week of practice. And then the team goes out and you know, loses 61 to nothing. You still think you could have had a really good week of practice. Just, you know, that it's, you're always supposed to have a good week of practice. You're always supposed to have a good camp. And when, you know, when someone comes out and says, we had a terrible camp after you're going, Oh, and six, you know, there's a, that's an organizational fail. And B, you know, who takes the blame for that? And, you know, like the, the thing is, the bottom line is yeah. the Canucks have to be thinking about a coaching change. They just have to. There's there's no way that, you know, in a situation like this, it's not being considered. I'll tell you this, though, Jeff. The, the one thing I, was, I spent a lot of time thinking about this yesterday, it's not so easy to predict where they're going to go from here. Um, it, you know, I, I'm not convinced... Like, I'm not convinced that they want to go and bring in another coach with term. So, you know, where, what does that leave you? I, I'm not sure it leaves you a lot of options that you're, that, that you're too eager, that you're thinking about or that other coaches would think about. Like, for example, if, for example, the Canucks want to say, look, we just want to go for the rest of this year and then not, and not have term. You know, I don't know how many other coaches are going to want to do that. So I, I think they're kind of going through this right now, but I don't think it's as easy yeah. as a lot of us would think. Does Mike Yo do this again? I don't know. I don't know. I honestly don't know. Um, and you know, okay. and it's not all, so and it's we'll... not all on the coach. It's not all on the coach. I think. Look, like they they have some holes in their roster, but. You know, we kind of know where this goes. Bottom of the hour, more on the story with Ian McIntyre. Meantime, Toronto, Winnipeg on Hockey Night in Canada. So we thought this was going to be uh, a couple of different things. Certainly high skill with all the star power and and skill in the lineup on both sides. We also thought it was going to be a rock and roll, old school, tough game. You know, Clifford's in the lineup. Simmons is in the lineup. Uh, Maple Leaf's still hot about the Logan Stanley celebration after the fight and Mark Shifley, nothing better than beating the Maple Leafs. We thought it was going to be tough. We thought it was going to be skilled, you know, and it was a combination of both. And, you know, we got a, 
We got a scrap, you know, between two heavyweights here. And uh, hang on, just checking my note. Morgan Riley and Josh Morrissey. Out of all of that, that was the uh, that was the biggie, Elliot. What did you make of Saturday? Well, I thought it was a good game for Toronto. I mean, I have to say that I don't think you ever want to be in a situation where one player is the linchpin of your team. But, you know, Winnipeg without Ehlers, they really have a hard time scoring. You, you, could, you could really see that. Um, and they're just not the same team without them, which is, you know, concerning for a lot of ways. I thought Toronto played really well. You know, the thing is, like, a lot of people are talking about Matthews right now and he's not scoring – like to me, that's the last thing I worry about. It has been a bit weird, you know. He he missed a shot wide there that he normally buries. And when they played Dallas, there were a couple mm-hmm. of fumbled pucks on passes on the power play. And I said, oh, he's a little bit off. But the thing is, you know, he's doing a lot of other things right now that are good, like the play on the first goal to keep the puck alive on the power play when Winnipeg could have cleared it. Like the the thing I look at with Matthews right now is. He's not scoring. We all believe he's going to score. I think he had one goal in October last year. But look at all the other things he's doing. Like, I think he's going to be fine. You know, the, the Winnipeg also had reason to be mad. You know, Riley, probably, Riley should have gotten instigator. He didn't. Them's the breaks. That's the way it goes. But, you know, the, the thing about Riley I want to say in particular is they need him and Brody now. They have to be world beaters for this team to be good. And, you know, it's funny. I was having a talk about someone yesterday with Riley, and he said to me, uh, a former player, and he said, you know, to me, Riley, he's not A-plus in anything, but he's A in almost everything. Like, he just does everything really well, and it's obvious he really cares a lot about the team and its success. And, you know, I, I wasn't surprised that he was the guy who would do that, but I think the other thing is that, I think it's also his way of saying, you know, with Muzzin out and our defense looking a little bit thin in the short term, I have to be a difference maker. And you probably don't want him off the ice a lot, but boy, you know, I, I thought he's really risen to the occasion in the first couple of those games. Uh, I think Brody's been really good for this team. I think John Tavares yeah. uh, has been really good for the Maple Leafs so far this season. Really well. good, so the but point about... to start seeing him score. Uh, Toronto needs to start seeing him score on even strength. He looks de- like dynamite on the power play. He's got to produce a bit more even yeah. strength, but it's a good omen. It's a really good omen. To to the point about Austin Matthews not scoring yet, uh, let's all say it together. The history of hockey is... All scorers are streaky scorers. That's the way the game has always been. Um, yeah. Carey Price and the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, just I'll read you out what Eric Engels just tweeted out. Uh, Carey Price addressing the media after Montreal practice today. Carey Price says he has no plan to retire at this moment, just taking things step by step. Quote, right now my goal is to be pain-free day to day. So where some, many, who knows, may have expected some type of major announcement from Carey Price today, it's just gratitude for the ovation that he got on opening nights. And my goal is to be pain-free, nothing about retirement for each. Uh, well, it's from Eric, so it's probably about 26% true. We'll have to just wait to see exactly. Um, <laughs> I, I, I really wish he was listening right now. I really do. Uh, you know, I, I'm not surprised at this. And one of the reasons is, you know, he's still under contract for a few more years. And one of the things we know, Jeff, is that the NHL has kind of taken a much stricter view on players who 
are injured and say they can't play for years. Now, I don't think anybody is questioning Carey Price. I don't think anybody is at all. I think we know what his body's been through. And if you're at any kind of a goaltender or you know one, you know what happens to the body. But, you know, but the yeah. NHL has to be careful with these things. They will, you know, he still has to do medicals. And also, he's collecting a salary. And if he retires, he doesn't collect the salary. The other thing, too, is, and, and someone was talking to me about this this morning, is the insurance companies. Like, you can't have a, someone saying, yeah. oh, well, I, I won't be healthy for three years. The insurance companies won't stand that. So, look, I think we all realize it's unlikely he's going to play again, and which is a shame. But I was also looking through some of Eric's tweets while you were talking, and, you know, Price is talking about quality of life. And I, I think we yeah. all understand that. So I, I don't think I ex- we, any of us expect to see Price play again, but I'm also not surprised that he would just say, you know what, I'm not, uh, uh, I, I'm not retiring. Because I just don't think for a lot of different reasons, contract, insurance, league scrutiny, that he would announce that. Absolutely. Okay, a couple more things here. Um, New York Islanders. You know, as much as we've talked yeah. about the Vancouver Canucks and, and their woes, you look what the Islanders are going through, and it was a really difficult weekend for them. We saw Josh Bailey scratched. Uh, we yeah. saw Anthony Bavillier scratched. Uh, we saw more losses. Uh, before you came on, I was mentioning this upcoming week for the Islanders is, I guess, tough, man. It's the Rangers, the Hurricanes, the Avalanche. Like, if you want to talk about a schedule to pull yourself out of a funk, this is not it. Uh, we know the Islanders are, although quietly, because you know Lou's not going to say anything, they're in on discussions for players. Um, they're always in on trades. Sometimes they surprise us. Um, what's the feeling around the New York Islanders right now? As much as we talk about, well, you know what, maybe the, uh, maybe the Vancouver Canucks need to start thinking about Connor Bedard. Do we say the same thing about Lou Lamorello's team? The thing that concerns me most about the Islanders is in the couple of the games I've watched, the ice has been really tilted against them. Like, there's some nights in this league mm-hmm. you get goalied, right? Uh, but there's other nights they where... Had, you, yes, yeah, I, I think it was like one scoring chance, yeah, like one legit big-time scoring chance yesterday. It was completely tilted for each. That was Florida, and it also happened earlier this week yeah. with the Devils. And, you know, I, now one of the things the Islanders have tried to do and someone pointed out to me and then I watched a little bit and it looks like is they're trying to have their defensemen shoot more often. Like that was not something that they did before. And, you know, they're trying that now. So I don't know if that's the issue or they just don't have the puck enough, but they are, like they are getting steamrolled in some of these games in terms of, amount of time with the puck and the amount of scoring chances. Uh, again, you know, the one thing there, and I, I kind of I admire Lamorello on this, is that, look, his birthday was last weekend. He's 80 years old. I think I'm, I, I think I'm confident in proclaiming that his, his time as, as, as an executive in the NHL is closer to the end than it is to the beginning. Like, I don't even think I'm being insulting by saying anything like that. And the one thing he hasn't done is he hasn't made a bad trade. And because we know he wanted to, and I mm. think he probably wants to now. But no, I'm talking about, like, I'm talking yeah. about this summer. Like, he wanted oh, okay. to I make... Okay, I was going to go back to the Devon, Ta- the Devon Taves deal. I mean, yes, that was that, that one. That I know one, why that was... he made it, but that was a cap yeah. move. 
that that was a bad that was a bad deal. There's no there's no question about that. I'm talking about right now. Like here he is, he's 80 right. years old, and he's getting close to his time as a general manager. Although him, you never know, he could last for 25 more years, and nobody would be surprised. Um, but the, the the fact is that they wanted to make moves this summer, and he didn't do it. And I think he wants to make moves right now, and he hasn't done it. Like you know, like for example, I I think they've been one of the teams, Jeff, that's looked at uh, the guy you've been talking about a lot, Chickren. I think they've been one of the teams that have looked at Patrick Kane, although Kane is not available yet, as far as I can tell. But you know, the thing is, he hasn't done anything yet. And, I, and it's not because of lack of want. I think it's because he just doesn't think it's been a good idea with what's been out there. And I, I think there's something to be said for that, as in, look, I'm, I'm close to the end. I'm going to make a trade that may help us, maybe, but it could potentially blow up in our face. But it's not going to be my problem. It's going to be someone else's problem. And I think it's smart that he hasn't done that to this point. All right, a few minutes left here. I want to buzz through a couple of things quickly. Uh, one of the enduring visuals that I'll have from this past weekend is watching Josh Norris walk oh. angrily out of the rink and, you know, throw his glove or, uh, you know, in, in anger as his left shoulder dangles. Uh, Derek Broussard replaces him, so he plays in between Debrinket and Claude Giroux. Your thoughts on Josh Norris, uh, DJ Smith, saying it, it'll be a couple of weeks here at least. Yeah, it's it's a shame, really. Um, yeah, anytime you see someone go off the ice like that, it's like they know, right, Jeff? Like they know. Yeah, they yeah, they right. know. Yeah, and look, I mean, it's just I don't like seeing good players out of the lineup. I don't think anybody benefits. I I don't think the league benefits. I don't think the teams benefit. I don't think the fans benefit. It's like it's the same reaction I had when Lane got hurt the first game of the season right after scoring a goal. Like, who benefits from that? Nobody benefits from that. Now, it's interesting. Like, I was wondering about what they would do here. Pinto's on fire. He's got four games in a row with the goal. Would they elevate him or would they put Broussard on the first line? And I, I see, uh, judging from what you just said, they're putting Broussard on the first line. You know, the one thing I think is yeah. if you've got a hot line going, I understand wanting to keep it together. If you're putting Broussard in the lineup, you want to put him in the best position to succeed. I hope it works. I just wonder how long that's all going to last. Uh, we shall see. Now, you mentioned Shane Pinto there a second ago, so I want to finish up on this one. So on the most recent podcast that we did, and that was recorded last night, and Amel just put it out now. It's available wherever you consume your podcast. We did a thing called Do You Believe? And it was on all the surprise teams in the NHL, and I just point blank asked you about them, whether it's Chicago or Buffalo or Detroit, etc., New Jersey. Do you believe they have staying power? Do you believe they can continue to perform like this? Um, I want to drill down on a few, not teams, but players with you. Players that may have exceeded expectations to kick off the campaign. And Pinto was on my list with four goals in five games, so we'll start there. Do you believe, Elliot, in Shane Pinto? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Like last year, the guy was trending really well until he got hurt. And this year, he looks like a player. I am a Shane Pinto guy. All right, Shane Pinto guy. Are you a David Krejci guy as well? Seven points in six games. Krejci, by the way, has never in his career been a point-a-game player. But right now, he is. I think he's been in the playoffs. 
In the playoffs, one, yes, never in the regular season. One year, one year he led the playoffs in scoring, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was the year they won the Cup. Uh, but, Correct. Oh, what, what am I going to do, bet against David Krejci? Like, what kind of idiot do you think I am? The guy, <laughs> the, the, guy's, okay. the guy's a hell of a player. All right, I'm gonna. I'll I'll find one here that you won't believe in. We'll we'll see if we okay. get there. Um, Carter Hart and his nine forty nine save percentage. Do Honestly, I don't know. Carter I don't Hart? know what to make in. I don't know what to make of this one. I I really don't. I'm, you know, he didn't play a minute of the preseason. Uh, I was very concerned for Philadelphia. We all know he has the talent, Jeff. I want to wait. And yesterday they had a rough day. That happens. Uh, although he didn't start, um, they had a rough day. I want to wait a few more games. I just want to wait a few more games. All right. Uh, do you need to wait a few more games on Rasmus Dalin, or have you said enough to believe in the Buffalo Blue Liner? Oh, number one overall pick. Please. He's a player. He's a player. Like this quiz is insulting. I'm actually insult David Krejci. Do I believe okay. in David Krejci? This quiz is insulting. Okay. I'm Hold hurt. On. My feelings are hurt. Okay. okay. Let's let let's okay. So put put down the the tissue paper. Hold on a second here, <laughs> and let's have a conversation, albeit quick. About do you believe in two goals, five assists, seven points, Jason Dickinson? That's a hot streak. He's just never scored like that. I, look, I, I think he'll right. be. Look, Va- Vancouver was a happy. Vancouver was not a happy place for him. It was a bad fit. Sometimes that happens. Uh, you know, I, I think Chicago. There'll be a lot more responsibility for him. Uh, less pressure. Um, I, I don't expect him to continue being a point a game player or a 1.4 point a game player because it's seven points in five games. If that's what you're asking, I think he'll be better. I think mm-hmm. he'll be better for his role, but I'm not expecting him to continue uh, scoring points like this. Okay, let's finish with this one then. Dominic Kubalik with eight points. Do you believe in the check forward? I think he's a good player. Again, I don't expect him to continue scoring at this level. I just don't see it. But I'll tell you one thing about your, your buddy Derek Lalone. I think one yes. thing he understands after watching Detroit is everybody has a role. This is your role. In Tampa, they were very much like that. Everybody has a role. This is your role. Now, when you have Kucherov and Point and Hedman and, and all the Stamkos and all these guys, it's a little bit easier to plug in people around them. But the one thing I really see watching Detroit is – he establishes this is your identity as a player. This is what you're going to do for us. And uh, I think Kubelik will be put in positions where he can score. I don't expect this to continue, but I think he's he has a coach there who knows how to use him very well. Well, you see who the you see who Lalone is playing him with, right? Who's his middleman? Well, Dylan Larkin. Yeah. So you're gonna he should. It's, it's like we talked about with Broussard before. If you're going to put a guy into a lineup, put him in a position where he can succeed, right? So I look at Kubalik, mm-hmm. and I know people in Chicago were disappointed with him last year. And, you know, I mean, whatever. Last year is last year. But if you're going to sign that guy and you're going to put him somewhere, put him with guys who can score. That's what you need to do. Uh, 
Last one. We've got to get to break. We're heavy on time. Phil Kessel ties the Iron Man streak tonight. Mm-hmm. A thought on Phil well, Kessel? I, I have to say the, my favorite Phil Kessel story, because there's a ton of them out there, and there's been a lot of good stories written in the last week about Phil Kessel. I went to the BioSteel camp once, and there was a player who came out of the weight room just shaking his head. And uh, I said, what's up? And he goes, and I'll leave the player's name out of it. He goes, this is unbelievable. He goes, I've been busting my ass all summer, training every day, barely took any time off. I've been working hard. I've been improving my strength. I'm sitting in there. I'm working out. Kessel's sitting on a weight bench reading a magazine. And somebody says, Phil, are you going to do any lifting today? And he goes, Kessel goes, you want to see me lift? You want to see me lift? He throws down the magazine. He goes down. He outlifts everybody, does more reps, and goes, it says, is that good enough yeah. for you? And goes back to his weight bench and picks up the magazine. So the, uh, the guy was so mad. He said, I've been working all summer. <laughs> he just sits there and outlifts me and out, uh, not only outlifts me, but outnumbers me in, uh, while reading a magazine. He goes, it's depressing. I, th- I think that, because I've heard this story, I, I've heard similar stories, just like at oh, leg yeah. press, he's just insane. Like, you know, he doesn't, like, he listen, he does I think not it, I like think it was Stevens, a leg press. Get him on leg press, he's, yes. pre- so, like, I've heard that leg press, he just, like, destroys yeah. guys. Like, I, I, I know that, um, leg press. I and, think that's what it was. The, it makes sense, because Anthony Stewart's always been the king of the trap bar, and with Matt and Nickel, no one, no one uh, put more plates on than Stewie for trap bar, but I'm, I'm told that Kessel with leg press is, is next level and insane, and to your point, frustrates everybody, because they look at him and say, how, how, how does he do this? Uh, okay, we'll let you get back to your afternoon. Thanks, as always. We will talk tomorrow. All right, Merrick. Have a good day. There he is, Elliot Friedman from Hockey Night in Canada and 32 Thoughts.